0: peace grace this is pastor colton lott from first christian church disciples of christ el reno we have the privilege of building christian community in el reno for the world and so if you care about building christian community or el reno or the world we're glad you're listening to this podcast If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Today's scripture reading comes to us from the 119th Psalm, verses 97 to 104. I invite you to follow along on the screens behind me, or in your pew Bible, or on your phone Bible. Or on your personal Bible. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. For it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the aged. For I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. May God have blessings to these words in every time. And in every place. Would you join me in prayer, please? God, help these words about your word come alive for us in this time, in this moment, in this community. Amen. Today, as I'm sure most of you have picked up by now, uh, we're beginning a new worship series entitled In the Fullness of Time. And what you may not know about worship, here's a little bit behind the hood, or under the hood, behind the screen, um, worship series cook for a long time before they happen, often about a year is how long they're being discussed before they actually come alive. And even still in the back, (laughs) Travis and Tara and I were thinking, yep, it is the first Sunday of a new series, and so let's get all the bugs worked out today. Planning and discussion is generally a matter of a handful of months, but this series is an exceptional case. Pastor Tara and I have been batting around this series for something like three years. We first began discussing a series like this in 2019, and we thought we would probably do, you know, fall of 2020, maybe spring of 2021, and then, well, you know. The world really fell apart. But every season we come around to think about what's next, we always throw out, what about the death and dying series? Always wondering if now was the time. And for the last... Three years, we have said, not yet. For sure, there have been a lot of loss. There's been a lot of death over these past years. And while over is perhaps not the best word to describe the pandemic, it seems that we have reached something like a new normal. And when everything has felt abnormal for so long, it felt cruel to have done this series before now, like we were going to be adding to the misery because very few of us want to be reminded that everyone dies. I'm glad it hasn't worked out until now for a couple of reasons. Mostly, for my own preparation, As my thinking of death and how we discuss death has deepened as I've thought about this worship series off and on over these last years. And perhaps in these same years, the same is true for you as well. But most importantly, you'll know that this series is not entitled the Death and Dying series. It's entitled The Fullness of Time, which is a kind of funny turn of phrase. I asked Tara, do you ever use this phrase in regular life this morning? And she said, well, no. I was trying to remember where I got it until in the last month, all of the press coverage came from the Death of the British monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, and I remembered that I swiped it from her. This past winter, when she was writing before her 70th anniversary on the throne, she wrote, When in the fullness of time my son Charles becomes king, I know you will give him and his wife Camilla the same support you have given me. Always doing her duty, I suppose. But that's where I swipe that phrase in the fullness of time sounds enormously better than beth and dying so i've been looking it up and in the english language in the fullness of time is a phrase that generally means eventually but here we're using it to not only mean that great expanse of time that we call eventually but that poignant moment when our time is complete. It's important that Christians talk about death, even outside of funerals, because in the fullness of time, we do die. And death is one of the scariest realities that we have as human beings. And even though we have hope, and we do And we have the gift of prayer, which we do. And we have photographs and videos of loved ones cataloged more extensively than any other generation in human history. There is no substitute for the presence of those we love most when they make that final graduation. And perhaps for most of us, even more scary is that no matter how many times it is said that God really does love you, 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 and that in Jesus we have definitive proof that God, not death, not the pit, not the grave, but God alone has the last word. And no matter how many times we are reminded that through that same Jesus, we Christians see that this God who has the last word is also love characterized by justice and grace and mercy And even though 1 John 4 tells us that God is love and that perfect love drives out fear, nevertheless, we have those nagging, wiggling little thoughts. Am I actually good enough? Does God actually love me? Will I be safe, secure, saved when I die? But what has taken me, especially by surprise over these last three years, as I've thought on and on about, on and off about this topic, is that when we discuss the fullness of time, we can't ever just talk about death. Because the death that punctuates our lives between this life and the next is a punctuation mark more akin to the semicolon than it is a period. If you forgot your Grammarly instructions, ask Jan Kreider afterwards about the differences between a semicolon and a period. We don't merely live to pastime. But for our time, however long it may be, whether it is long or short, to be full, full to the brim. In other words, we don't just die in the fullness of time, we live in the fullness of time. And you cannot talk about life and death, being born and dying, without talking about everything in between. That is why today's scripture from the 119th Psalm is so important. The 119th Psalm, by the way, is long. It's the longest psalm and also the longest chapter in the Bible. My commentary, as I was reading this week, noted that it may be an anthology of psalm pieces which conjured to my mind this kind of woven song together, one big giant mashup, kind of like Swing the Mood, which my Mimi Janis loves, which has clips of hits from Glenn Miller, Bill Haley and his Comets, Little Richard, the Everly Brothers, Elvis Presley, all stitched together for a quick-moving six-minute romp through the 50s and 60s. But today, in this 119th mashup, We're in one clip, one stitch, one stanza. And in this section, the psalmist praises the law of God and expresses his or her deepest love for it. But as Hebrew Bible professor and guest last week here in worship, the Reverend Dr. Lisa Davison once taught me, law is not necessarily the best translation For our understanding. A better word that can better access the meaning here is teaching. The teaching of God is the psalmist's meditation all day long. God's command, God's rule, God's teaching makes the singer wiser than his enemies. God's thorough precepts, God's teachings, God's formation gives her understanding in the fullness of time in which we live, we inevitably change. We are formed. We learn. We grow. It seems to me then that the trick is figuring out how we are formed and changed by God, but also toward God. Easy idea. Frighteningly difficult. As we consider carefully this month, life, death, and everything in between, our first question is not if we will change, but how we will change over the course of our life. And as Christians, how do we intend to change by and toward God? How will we learn and grow in the words of God that taste like honey so that those words are present in our lips and those words are lived out in our actions? So as I reflected on the scripture, three aspects of learning and growing with God came to my mind that I hope we'll pay attention to as a community The first is the practice of personal spiritual discipline. It would seem a bit obvious that one cannot be formed by the teachings of God if you're not, you know, engaging the teachings of God. The psalmist in today's text says that God's teaching is his meditation all day long. For us, that often means Bible reading, prayers, which are important and tough to do in our daily lives, much less all day long. So here's the confession part. It's hard for me to do anything daily except eat, breathe, and sleep. And that even extends to Bible reading. I'm lucky if I can brush my teeth twice most days. So I know that this is difficult, and I often fail here too. But I also know that those days in which I read even a snippet are often better for me than those days in which I do nothing. But I also want to say, because Christians are really good to emphasize the private personal devotion of study and spending silence and solitude with God, and they rarely mention service. It may have been Facebook theology, but what my dad shared this past week was still true. It doesn't matter if you can quote the Bible if you live like you've never opened it. Study, prayer, and service constitute a life of spiritual disciplines and is the first important way that we learn and grow, that we are formed by this teaching of God so that in our inevitable changes in life, we become, we are changed, we are formed more like God. The second way in which we help guide our change in life is that we are formed by God and toward God in community People need people. Psalms are hymns designed for our use primarily in corporate worship. And this is an important thing to note. Our scripture today uses a lot of the word I. It is written in the first person singular, I love your law. But it's important to remember that this is in the context of worship. People who are singing this to one another Hearing these words, just as when we sing words today that use the word I, God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from. We certainly sing these words and we experience them in our chest and in our voice, but we also hear them being sung to us. It helps to hear someone else sing the song that you need to sing. Sometimes it's important that we sing a song so that others can join in when they need the words too. So to cut to the chase, I don't believe you have to be in a church to be a follower of Jesus, but I think it's a lot harder to go it alone. We need people who cheer us on, who help us carry the load and sometimes even call us out on our shenanigans. Sometimes it helps to hear the notes and even when we can't see, to know that someone has our back. As many of you know, I walk to work most days. I live just a few blocks away. And in between my house and the church is the AA meeting house. And as I was walking recently, I thought about how peculiar it really is to have a place where people from all walks of life, rich and poor, successful and struggling, young and old, come together for the purpose of being changed and to keep that change working in their lives and then i thought about how often it is that the church is not known for that that we are seen as a place for people who have it figured out instead of a place with enough grace and enough hope that people knew that here was a place where they might get a glimpse more to more of who God is calling them to be and all of us to be together and the experimentation possible for us to try on that person God is calling us to be as we learn and grow together, a place where we sing the truth and we keep that change working together in our lives which incidentally is a bit of a foreshadowing for point three, which is that we are changed by God and toward God continually. And this is probably the most important thing I'll say this morning. So if your mind has drifted off to lunch, I invite you to lean forward and hear this. We never arrive. The journey is never finished we will keep changing and growing and learning until we die. I'm struck by the 101st verse of the 119th Psalm, where the psalmist sings, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. And while sometimes right and wrong are obvious, as we call them black and white, the world in which we live is often many shades of gray, where evil and good are not so easily discerned. And what I thought was good was actually harmful so often. And what I thought must be evil turned out to be kind of benign. Because living out God's love looks different depending on the season, situation, and circumstance. I often think about parents who have had to practice tough love with a child or other family members. The choices that are required seem to have taken them off the map of where they know compassion and unconditional care was supposed to have led them. If life were a true and false section true or false section on a test, it would seem that most of us might fail. But That doesn't seem to me what the psalmist is actually talking about. The psalmist is singing about this deep relationship to God. And the more time we spend with God, the more this relationship deepens, the more liable it is that we realize that we were wrong and even change our minds. And our understandings of God sometimes change as we change. And sometimes things that were once clear become murky and things that were cloudy become obvious. This isn't a true and false test, but much more a story we are writing together with God. Arriving at the right answer isn't the point. We don't get to call it done. There is no security there security is in journeying with God, doing our best to get our understanding of hating every false way which leads to injustice and apathy and greed and sticking to the God of mercy, justice, and hope. My friends, our relationship with God is dynamic. It is what makes it a real relationship. And these three elements, spiritual disciplines, Jesus-loving community, and an understanding that faith is a journey of transformation. What I would consider vital as we begin our exploration of the fullness of time and we consider what it means to change, to learn, to grow. And so as we begin this series, I leave this final note. The scariest gift that God has perhaps given us is a notion of time. That unlike seemingly all other animals we know, we are able to see A, then B, which leads to C, and indeed we can see all the way through to the end. There is a terrible power... And then seeing the connections between events that one leads to two leads to three. And this gift is scary not just because it comes with knowledge, but because it comes with a choice. How will we use it? How will we change? How will we learn and grow? What happens between that little hyphen? Between the day you were born and the day you will die? What happens in the fullness of your time? But to that scariest gift, God has added another companionship. But the God who created us never leaves us and is along for the journey with us.